0: Hallelujah, Amen. the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles this morning to declare the glory of the Lord. Let's read from the book of Psalms number two. It's a declaration of the glory of the Lord. We're reading from Psalm number two this morning. Let's read one to let's go. Right. Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them, then he will rebuke them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may be soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Uh, before we go into the teaching, as usual, we take um, a declaration of the understanding that God has granted us because we prayed earlier and you we are always praying, and our desire is to know him and to be conformed to the image of Christ to fulfill his will in our lives. Because we're always praying that, and we pray it by faith, we believe that he has heard us. If you believe that with me, say amen. amen. All right, let's declare our, our declaration. One to let's go. Now, now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I've been filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Can you greet your neighbor also? Say good morning. Good morning. Say, the Lord bless you this morning. Tell somebody the Lord, morning. the Lord will speak to you this morning. Say the Lord will speak to you this morning. The you this morning. Say the Lord, this morning. the Lord will speak to me this morning. I'm confident of these things. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. All right. Now, just so that it will be that we read it, even though that's not the main thing I want to use to so start teaching today, can we open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter twelve, because we tried to read that thing last meeting, but we never got around to doing it. Because when I sat down at the end, I said, "Whoa, we did not read that Luke chapter twelve that we're threatening to read for so long." Now I'm going to read from verse thirteen. All the way to verse 34, which is quite a long reading. But so as to save time, I am going to leap here and there. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist in his possessions. I particularly love the King James expression of verse 15. He said, Beware of covetousness. That is, wanting to have more than you have currently. And King James says, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. And New American Standard here says, Even if he has that abundance, it still will not make his life safer or more secure so he said in verse 16 the land of a rich man was very productive that is trying to explain why you shouldn't worry your head about amassing material things on the earth and this man began reasoning to himself what shall i do since i have no place to store my crops was so abundant so he said this is what i will do i will make bigger storage facilities so that i'll be able to relax verse 19 he says i will say to my soul Soul, you have many goods laid off for many years to come take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, there are books on how to amass a lot, so you can retire young and then you can now flinch, you know, enjoy yourself. Jesus said it's a very ungodly and worldly principle. He said in verse twenty, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? He said, this is the way it is with the one who stores off treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So for this reason, Jesus said to the disciples, I say to you, don't worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn." And yet your father feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life span? If then you cannot do even a very little thing. Why do you worry about that matters? Look at the lilies, the same principle. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon clothed himself like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. Please notice that. All these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your father knows that you need these things. You say, what are you supposed to do? Verse 31, seek his kingdom. Um, Using the words from Matthew and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Please notice that. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now let me just stop reading that here. I'm happy with when I read that, Luke looked at that 12. I think I can rest, oh, Abi. Mm-hmm. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right. Um, I've been looking at walking in divine abundance. Now, I was telling my wife yesterday night that when I began to teach this, <laughs> well, when I thought about it, what I had in mind is slightly different from what I'm teaching now, all right? If the way I thought my mind, uh, the, my words would go, the thoughts I had, as I mounted to begin to teach, uh, the Lord just shifted me in that direction, and I'm getting my own thoughts even corrected and aligned to what God really wants us to know, and I'm, I'm getting blessed myself, all right? This was not at all what I planned. All right, the way it's coming out now. So I believe it's by the Spirit. So let's continue learning. The Van Abundance, i will be looking at some things. I just do a, a little bit of recapitulation, and then I continue today. Today, what I want to explain is the fact that curses are real, but that's not what I want to emphasize, but that they have been broken in Christ Jesus, and how we will ensure that we don't reactivate them or live as if we have not been delivered. It's very important for us to understand that sometimes people are delivered they don't know. Yeah, as a matter of fact. So they live like they are not delivered, and then they start telling stories of bondage, as if they are in bondage. Meanwhile, they've been delivered. And what that's what Paul meant when he said, "I do in my I do in my flesh my share." All right, he said, "What is lacking the sacrifice of Christ?" That is something that is lacking. First time I heard that, I was wondering, what do you mean by something is lacking? What is it about Jesus who is able to save to the uttermost? And you are telling me something is lacking. You are saying the sacrifice is not complete. No, that's not what Paul was saying. I found out that what Paul was saying is that no matter what it is that Jesus accomplished for you, if you don't know about it, it's useless to you. For that reason, what is lacking and what we need to fill up is the knowledge in the hearts of people. People don't need to hear. He says, say to the cities of Zion, you need to tell them. You need to tell them something. They have to know how blessed on the mountains are the feet of those that come bearing what? Good tidings. Somebody has to come bearing the tidings. How can they believe except somebody preaches to them? And if you don't believe, you cannot be delivered. So preaching is important. You have to tell people. And for many preachers, I just feel bad when I hear them preach and the things they are saying are not true. That is, go and tell people you need to be delivered. No, tell them you have been delivered. They just just need to know. Truth sets free. I hope you're getting my point. The truth sets free. If you tell people what God has done for them, it will become real in their lives. You can't use the experience to tell what the word of God is. I I don't know my point. You can't say because you're experiencing this, it means that God has not done it. No. You're experiencing this is because you don't know what God has done. It's so crucial we get it. That's why, see, <laughs> I like one thing Charles Finney said. He said, Feeling follows thought. Now, that feeling, your feeling, follows how you think. How you think is not created by your feelings. So that's why it's important you shape how you think. It's called the renewing of your mind. That's what Paul explained. The Holy Spirit said to us through Paul, You must be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. How you interpret... You know, I keep on saying it. One of the major signs of whether you're working by faith or not is how you interpret your life. And I preached this some weeks ago here. Learn to interpret your life from scriptures. Don't let your experiences teach you what life is. I hope you're getting my point. For example, your name is Joseph, you're in prison. Somebody can come and tell you see, this whole life is a useless place. Or you can say, no, I have a promise of God working in my family. So if I'm in prison, there's a reason. Do you get my point? Yes. Now, people can say, yeah, you're just deceiving yourself. See, let me deceive myself till I die. When I wake up in the resurrection, you realize there was no deception, it was truth. Your experience does not tell us what the word of God is. No, it doesn't. Too. Only the prophets are allowed to tell us what God is, what God is saying. Nobody else. I want them by the prophets. You find them in the scriptures. It's so what about the teachers? They take the words of the prophet and explain them to you. So Isaiah has spoken. So God says, I will now give you teachers, pastors, he calls them after my heart. Who will take the words of Isaiah and explain to you? That's what I'm doing this morning. One day I was in Port Harcourt. I was preaching. I preached. I said, a witch can't kill a Christian. You know, you know I say it all the time. these Africa, so will have to talk about witchcraft. Like I say all the time, you only, I only talk about witchcraft when I come to preach. When I, my children never hear, ask them, does a, a father discuss witches at home? <laughs> They're like, no. It's only when we come to Bible study, we say, what does this one I say? Because at home, you don't tell us about witches. Oh. It's not my fault, my children. It's because you are not raised out to fear witches. So why should we discuss it at home? When well, people come to hear me, <laughs> they have told that, cover your face when you want to cross the road, oh, if the witch sees you. So I, was, I finished preaching that day, in Port Court. At the end of the day, one woman requested to talk with me, I said, fine, no problem. So she came. That she said a witch cannot kill a Christian. I said, I said so. He said, but sir, I wanted to know that a witch killed my husband. I said your husband was not born again. I just replied to her like that. I didn't even I didn't finish. I didn't feel like let's let, let not make the widow feel bad. Feel bad if you want to feel bad. If you are bold enough to come and tell me I don't know what I'm saying, I will be heartless enough to let you know that the word of God is true. I her straight. I said, the, I said, your husband was not born again. So she paused. He said, okay, maybe. Eh, of course, now what are you talking about? <laughs> huh. He said, my, of course, I don't know the details of her story. She may have judged it wrongly. Many people that they call witches are not witches. Do you get my point? They're just people you dislike. That's what they are. They, are, they, they think you're a witch, by the way. I hope you are aware of that. They think you are a witch. They are like those people in that house. Don't you hear them doing in the morning? Why you? you are praying. What do you call speaking in tongues, they think is incantation. <laughs> anyway, have you had neighbors that you hear prayer at certain times every morning? And they're only speaking in tongues in a particular way. Imagine if you did not go to church and you've not heard people do that. What would you say? Say they don't come again, no. You here's somebody that you normally speak in English and able to. Tell you, you can get, live, 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 live. ah, what else do you call incantation? So your neighbor thinks you're a witch, so leave that thing. You live on a street of witches. So when you are doing die, 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 everybody will soon die on your street. Because as you are saying die, the next guy is saying die. The, so let's leave that thing, okay? Most people that they call witches are not. Again, I'll go to one of my pet projects. I see all these prophets that go around hunting witches. They are jobless. They are ignorant. They are feeding on people's ignorance. There's one that holds an annual witch-killing conference. So you kill all the witches this year. So new ones grow between now and next year. You kill again. Look, let's leave that. Tell the woman that day, forget that thing. Maybe her mother-in-law, according to her, was a witch, because that's the person that killed the man. By her own discussion. Look, listen. I know there are people that are so stupid they will kill their own children. There are. There are very plenty in America, even in Nigeria. You don't like the children, it's unborn, they kill the child. That's witchcraft, is it not? It say it's a right to abortion. Listen, it's still witch-killing your children. There are, people. But very few women will actually kill an adult man <laughs> that is their child. No, it's all very, very unlikely. There are very, very few. There are a few in Hellfire, I know. But... In Nigeria, there are very few. So if a man dies, it is very unlikely it is a mother that used witchcraft to kill him. It's pretty unlikely because she's a stupid witch if she does that. I rather, If I'm that powerful, I'll use the witchcraft to collect your money. You say, check out. Yes. If I'm that powerful, I'll just use the witchcraft to control you. Why would I use to kill you? Most times, please, people of God, <laughs> You know, it's so amazing. I went to preach once in Lagos. Do you know? I was preaching. Okay, after preaching, people are allowed to ask me questions. And the guy tried to prove to me. Some people are stubborn. Ah! Why am I even taking the person now? They do it to God. How much more me? Or how much less? Or which one else? How much more likely are they to do to a- Yes, How much more me? They do it to God. I finished preaching. This guys brought me from Enugu. Spent money to buy flight tickets for two of them so that I can come and teach their people. Yet, some of people teach teach. I was teaching. They were looking like, now nah, I leave that. That I said, nobody, no human, that is witches and wizards can, can stop your progress. The guy wants to argue with me that he can. Ah. Why do you want to believe nonsense? Because if we have a choice to believe one of the two, why don't you believe the one that will set you free? When if was asking his question. They gave me the question to answer. I heard him he pick the mic asked ask his question. So I took my... Microphone. Went to him directly like this. I went to him. dragged chair out of the way. The host pastor was on his feet clapping. Everything I said, the man was clapping. Do you know this nigger didn't change his mind? <laughs> you could see his stubborn heart. I just said, this guy, you will die in this life without making progress. Because God said, how else do you want me to help you? How else now? Because the problem with when you think somebody else is the problem is that you will not take your responsibility. You won't do what you are supposed to do. That's what the problem is. You just sit down there, assume that it's somebody else's fault. I say it again though. Say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. I'm saying this morning again. If you're a believer in Christ, you have been delivered. I'm not talking about your experience. I'm talking about what God has done. Are you following me? I am talking about what God has done. We need to explain it. That's what I came with this morning, actually. To explain to the people of God that, yes, we know that curses are real. They exist. If anybody tells they don't exist, there's an African thing. Just know, the person doesn't know anything. The person doesn't know anything. We're talking about living in divine abundance. It is possible for people to be held back by spiritual force in lack, in poverty, in never having enough. The problems that people don't read the scriptures. And they, or they think that the people who wrote the Bible don't know what they, or they didn't know what they were saying, or because they are outdated. No. God said, I will put you in a position where you will lack everything. It happens. The God not say to Adam, because of this thing you have done, the earth is now what? Cursed because of you. He said, thorns and pieces will bring out for you. From the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. What does that mean? The, you know, it's very annoying. I see, There's a flower ledge in my house that my wife tried to beautify the place, planted you know, nice ornamental plants. And every day, I have to weed it. When I say every day, I mean every day. I taught my children how to pluck. As long as I just pass in, just pluck some things. You know, my wife had been upset by it. the person that sold her the plant, that like, these plants are not good ones. So one day, something happened. We just did a massive weeding of tiny, tiny things. The way these plants grew, I said, Now, wow. I said, No, oh, this is not bad after all. It just weed. That is, now, this is the point. The weeds do not need weeds removed from around them, they grow. The weeds just be growing. I said, ah, What is wrong with you? Why must you grow? It's as if the ones you don't want are very selective in growing fast. If it doesn't rain, they grow. <laughs> if it rains, they grow faster. Now that's the natural order of life. That's what I going to make. So the land will produce tons and tons. Why is it that the land doesn't just grow corn? That is, you abandon it, corn will grow. What does it grow? Elephant grass, spare grass. Some of you, I don't know. I've not seen spare grass much in Enugu. Enugu doesn't have spare grass. When I, where I grew up, eh, there was a lot of spare grass. Spear grass should be what God was thinking about when he said to Adam, Tons and th-, let me tell you about spare grass. Eh? Is it, it's, it's, well, if you know biology, and agriculture? I think it's a rhizome or something. It has underground branches that are like sugarcane, tiny sugarcane, which we used to eat children. we pluck them out, wash them and be trees. quite sweet, all right? Now, the point I'm making is that the, the top one, all right, the grass that grows out, has very sharp edges. That's why it's called grass. Take our little skin, as children, and cut it nicely for you. Incise it like bleed. Then when you cut it, finish weeding, and next morning you come, it has grown back. So we now learn that you have to pull it from underground. Now, this is where I'm going. Do you know that's, is it rhizomes, they call it? Pierces yam, cassava, it pierces everything around. To, go, to just right through. So you see, the natural life just produces negative things natural. naturally, easily, you know, no effort. That's what God was saying. That Adam, that is how it is outside the garden. And such causes, you will find it all over the scriptures. He says to Edom, the Malachi, He said, They will gather. You know what I will do? I'll scatter everything. See, so what i trying to prove. I want people to know that these are a people against whom I have indignation every time. We say, Edom, we say, we have been beaten down, but we return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord, they may build, but I will tear it down. man, so we call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. The people with whom God is forever angry. Please, let's get it clear. Curses exist. Everybody should tell you that they don't exist. They do. And I discussed with a lot of people, alright? Some of them are not my disciples. They are my classmates. So what does that mean? What do, why, why do I refer to that fact that they are not my disciples, but my classmates? It means that a prophet there is without honor. So everything that I say is a, is a subject of argument. Do you know, it actually made me think a few days ago that God May I not argue with somebody who has wisdom that I don't have? Yeah, because you, you just trivialize what the person is saying. So I get to talk with people a lot of times. That's where I'm going. And they won't, they just, they'll argue with me forever. Pains me because, say, look, the facts, oh, of course, <laughs> David explained the reason why. I have more understanding than my even my teachers. Why? Your word, your testimonies, your precepts, your commandments, your instructions, they have been my meditation. So I look around, if anybody says that he's well to do, because he tried, I shake my head. I said, there are those who tried more than you. When you read books that tell people how to succeed, even in church, one will give testimonies. sometimes. You see, it doesn't impress me. My reason is because only those who succeeded give the testimonies. Those who who did exactly what they did, but failed, and they are 9 out of 10 are not allowed to talk because they have nothing to say. Even in the scientific world, if you read about science, eh, you'll be afraid of life. Even scientific publications are designed like that. Your publication usually has to agree with the general trend because it has to be submitted to people who vet what you are saying, and they have the power. I, mean, I also do the same publications to me to read and decide whether it should be published or not, Every journal has assessors, and the assessors are human beings. If you send your publication to three assessors, they all turn it down, that's it. Sometimes, publications that have won Nobel Prizes were published in rundown journals because the big journals did not accept. It took the world over, I forgot, more than 50 years to recognize what a man, Dr. Rao, said, that viruses cause cancer. He published in a one low-level journal because the main journals he refused. That's nonsense. He said he got a Nobel Prize for it. Luckily enough, he was still alive at ninety-something. Yeah, Nobel doesn't give prizes. Nobel, the committee they don't award prizes posthumously. You must be alive when they are giving it. So if it was a normal dying person at seventy-something, did something, he would never have gotten the Nobel Prize for that work. But because he lived so long, he worked, he published. I can I don't want to give you wrong figures. But literally, literally, decades beforehand. Why well, it wasn't recognized. When they finally agreed with him, I don't think it was anything less than fifty years after I made the claims. They now I awarded him a Nobel Prize. Why am I saying all of these things? You see, it's not based on our experiences, we just decide truth. The only way you can know truth is from the word of God. It's the only way you can know truth. People gather scientific data, they can't even tell you the truth. There are things I've read before I say, it's nonsense. I say, why do you say it's nonsense? You speak so arrogantly. That's why I get accused of by some of my classmates. I say, well, I can't explain to them. I say, but in my mind, it's against the scriptures. The Bible knows what he's saying. A lot of things I know about diet, it's not because I'm very smart. Too. It's because it's against the word of God. They say, don't eat meat. I said, God said, I've given you to eat. How can you tell him not to eat what God says you eat? Are you crazy? He said, milk is bad for you. I said, when he said, I'm taking the land flowing with milk and honey. You think God doesn't know, know biology? oh no that, <laughs> that's the foundation for many things I say when I just bring my my friend get away he said why do you I say look we were created by somebody for him biology is not a discovery it's an invention he invented it so he looked at me and said eat this and he tell me not to eat it why because if you don't study this said my friend get out and you know what I said like that Almost every now, every single time I have been right. Not because they've proven it yet, but because I know it's scripture. But secondly, most times over years I've been proven correct. The same people will not say, Oh, we well, have found out something. And I just say, But was it not what I said 25 years ago? People have not finally found. But you, how did you know? It's not because of experience. I was young when I was saying these things, it's because I'd been reading the Bible for some, for some time. And I said no. God cannot tell me something is good. You will tell me it is bad. In the same manner, if God says it is bad, it is bad. You can't tell me it's a choice. If he says for a man to have a sexual attraction towards another man is an abomination, I don't have to, I don't care how I feel, or how you feel, or what um, doctors, no, not spoke. I keep on forgetting that guy's name, Kinsey. Kinsey. that's his name, Kinsey. I don't care what Kinsey has to say. Kinsey. Kinsey is an idiot, as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't know anything. Kinsey published a book, or a few books, on the sexuality of human beings. At the end of the day, he was lying. Before we found out how he lied, I said this is against scriptures. Kinsey actually said essentially, it is what is common that is normal. We should not suppress our feelings. In these studies to show that human beings do something. So why are you saying they are bad? No, I mean, after all, we all steal. Why, who's, why is stealing bad? Why is corruption not normal? Why do we keep on complaining that Africa is corrupt, Nigeria is corrupt? It's common. Does it make it right? What does Ravi Zacharias to call salvation by survey. What is common is, is right, it's normal. Anyway, but years later, people sat down and analyzed Kingsey's report and said scientifically that thing should not have been published. Flawed, Lies. First, his sampling system was bad. It was concentrated among sexual offenders in prison. So all he actually ended up proving is that sexual offenders in jail tend to do this. That's what he proved. He didn't prove those things were normal to him. But then whether he proved it or not, if God says it is wrong, it is wrong. Please, all of this in emphasizing the fact that we only get our wisdom from where? The word of God. That's all. So if God says people can be in poverty as a result of a curse, believe it. He looked at Ham and said, "Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants he will be. Now, I don't want to analyze why he said Canaan again. I've analyzed that several times before. People have had different opinions, but after reading this for over 10 years, I still maintain that what I said there is fundamentally true, that the attitude started with Ham, and it was amongst his children. It's possible it was more pronounced in Canaan's life. I don't know. But it's not possible, reading through scriptures, for God to have just directed a curse at Canaan when Ham was committing an offense. Is really to Ham and his descendants. But Moses was teaching us that they were coming to take the land of Canaan. All right? But what I want to bring out is the fact that he said, A servant of servants he will be. That was going to place the descendants of Canaan and, of course, the other sons of Ham under a serious disadvantage in life. Yes, it was going to. And without getting into, you know, talking sociology now, it played out over the centuries. Sometimes such curses take decades, sometimes a few centuries to come into effect. Because a curse comes in today, it does not automatically inactivate the blessing the person was using before that. It takes a while, which is the reason why Adam didn't die the day after he left the garden. He had been blessed. Remember that? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. That force of life kept him for almost a thousand years. Even though God said, the day you eat of it, you shall die. The day he ate of that fruit, the force of death came in and began to fight the force of life that was there. That's what happened. So the conflict took a while. It took a while. If you check it, go and you just get a map. You can find them online on the longevity of human beings in those days. You see, it was just getting shorter and, shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until a man that was 200 years old was very, very old. But if you check years before that, at 200, look, those people used to see, not their their grandfathers, that is like you're, you're a boy, you're 10. You go 10. It was routine to go and see your great, great, great grandfather. That's why I read the Bible, uh, some commentary some time ago. I was surprised, never saw that before. That there's a school of thought who believes that Shem was Melchizedek. You know Shem? The son of Noah. The argument was that that was the person that Abraham met. Who blessed Abraham. That's the person that's called the king of Salem. Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Now, I'm not saying I agree with you 100%. But to let you know, Abraham knew Shem. Even if he was not Melchizedek. And it's the reason why the book of Genesis is quite credible. Because those stories were told by people, look, Adam, in fact, there's one more link to the other day, the man behaves funny, he talks funny. But the man believes that Adam wrote the first chapter of Genesis, first few chapters. He will tell you, this person wrote this one, but he used to say it with so much confidence. I said, "Okay, relax, just propose it, all right? Uh-huh. Genesis was written by a number. Of, I mean, he collated the people that he thought he wrote which chapter, including Adam Noah and people like that. But what he was trying to emphasize is the fact that these people talked to each other. And that's a matter of fact. Abraham, what happened those days? Abraham didn't have to guess. Shem was there to tell him. Shem was there before the flood. Shem was there after the flood. Shem was still alive when Abraham had flourished. You know, I keep saying the Bible is very, very condensed. If you read it between the lines, you'll be shocked at things you will discover. So you didn't have to tell, and don't forget, Shem met people like, of course, that he knew Noah, that's his father, they when they act together. People who prophesied long before the flood. Shem knew some of them. Now I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that the force of life that came in with Adam remained, and people were living long. Yet, God has said, the day you eat of it, what will happen? You shall die. But that force of death began to work against the force of life. Because one of the things that blessings do, or a blessing does, and what a curse will do also, is to create principles by which people live, and activate even forces in the climate, the atmosphere. Alright? But emphasis now, for me, for now, on the principles by which people live. It will take a while. For people to discard the because when God wants to bless you, remember, He never blesses disobedience. You can't continually do wrong, and your blessing will come. God will bless you, then the blessing will teach you what is right to do. Now, this is where the people make a mistake. They think this is what this man is doing and is, is being blessed. No. No, the blessing taught him what to do. So the spiritual atmosphere cooperated with the physical one around that he created by obeying the instructions of above what the Bible calls wisdom for your salvation. The two of them come together. We call it in <laughs> in it is multifactorial. Multifactorial. It's a mixture of factors. I'll give an example. Alright that is they say somebody has a gene but the gene does not express except certain environmental conditions are met. Alright that's how it is blessings are like that. Spiritual things are often like that. That is, a spiritual thing must be there, but it will not show sure up except certain environmental conditions are created. So you see, it's in Isaiah chapter 40 like that. It will tell you that the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed. So what you need to do is what? Elevate the valleys, bring down the hills. As a result, make a smooth spot, a level place for God in the wilderness. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Do you understand that? And let me ask you a question. If everybody starts leveling everywhere, will the glory of God go everywhere? No. No. It has to be a place where the glory wants to go. But if that place doesn't get ready, will it reach there? No. So th- th- those are the two factors. They must play together. So you see, that I just quoted from Isaiah chapter 40. So the glory of God wants to come. It's a spiritual pressure wants to, that wants to be released. But say for it to come, what do you do? You prepare for it. But if the glory is not going to go somewhere, you can't prepare for it and drag it by force. So this is where I'm going. People are blessed, all right. If they are blessed, the blessing will produce behaviors. The blessing will produce a habit, lifestyle, to produce a culture, value system. It starts in their minds, all right. Then they work out those things, and then what they have done is to create a pathway for the manifestation of the blessing. Now, I was telling you about when I talk to people, all right? <laughs> What's, what pains me, that's a better word to use. What pains me is that the people will stand aside and look, as say, look at the culture of these people. Look at their value system. Look at their lifestyle. If only we will adopt this, we will be blessed. And I say, no. You can adopt the lifestyle, adopt the culture, adopt the value system. You'll find it very hard anyway. But even if you were to do that, and you still will get nothing, then you'll be frustrated. Why? It's like me building a house, wiring it, getting the best electrical engineer in town, and electrical technicians to come together and wire the place for me. But it's not hooked on. To so the main supply of electricity. So when I finish everything, you know, you just, you just put it on, Pam. and then what do I get? Nothing. Then I'll be frustrated. Like, what is going on here? I've been to Mr. Lagwaja's house. I've been to Mr. Temendo's house. There's nothing they have, I don't have. But there's something you did not notice, which, because we can't see it, they need to tell you that, oh, there's something in that man's house, in fact, most of us these days, we use uh, these uh, recline cables. As soon as it gets to our fence, it goes down. Runs under the fence somewhere. People don't even see it anymore. It's part of the design, the overall design. It's very possible. You can get a house designed. Nobody knows where the power is coming from. So, people get do that. You do have the electrical wiring in the house, but there is no blessing flowing through invisible cables for you. You did not notice that the man's house you went to, it was not the switch that brought the power. It was not the fine design of the electrical fittings that brought the power, that the light. He just had to put those things in place for the power that's flowing to the house to have effect. Should I tell you something about African countries? Many of them. What is going on is that people, you know, there's one man, Lumumba, that's his name. Yeah, he's always speaking, and I'm always laughing. No disrespect meant. This man keeps preaching, we need to wire houses properly. We wire houses properly. And then there's another thing, this is what Satan does, and you see, I'll talk, I'll talk about it as I go on now. We'll not tell ourselves that we don't need any other thing. We we'll not laugh at, you we'll not see people down the street. Now listen to this, listen to this, I want to explain something. There's people down the street, they are building a, 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 a dam. They're far away from your house. Maybe they're like two kilometers away. They are building a dam. They're getting turbines to install. You know, um, and the, you know, the electric motors, they are, trying, they are getting, they are wheeling it in. And then you sit down here, you know what they are doing? You are abusing them. They have been to Mr. Temedu's house. What he did was to get qualified engineers, lay good wires all over the house. They were in Germany to buy, you know, German electric fittings. And they look at how beautiful the house is now. When they put on the light, you see the fans walking. Phillips gave them this. Look at it. These guys are going to Siemens to go and collect things that they are putting down inside water down the street. Is that what is going to power this house? Now, this is what happens. We'll be insulting preachers every day. Nigerians like to pray. You've seen it before. Africans like to pray as if what we need is prayer. We spend all the time praying. Meanwhile, people are building their economy. You are, sir, a fool. You don't know what you're talking about. The people that will generate the electricity, that the things that you're saying we should put in place, will now flow through to bless you. You are cursing them every day. That's why, Professor Lumumba, God bless you. But that's why I laugh when he talks. One day he spoke and spoke and spoke and said, so what is the solution? Africa needs to discover herself. I almost fell down. I said sir, nonsense is still nonsense even when spoken by experts. Yes, I'm quoting, I've got somebody now. I'm quoting somebody. That look, Africa should discover itself. What does it mean? Nothing. (laughs) But why did he have to stop there because he had nothing else to say? It's painful. I remember the days of Ghani Faimi. will protest until he starts crying. Ghani will protest until his blood pressure. The man, had severe, the man was seriously unhealthy. The time he died, it was even surprising that he lived that long. He said that if he was healthier, he would have turned to guerrilla warfare. He said it. And me said it, I heard him say it. That if he was healthier, they would have taken arms, gone to the bush against the military. That's how much he wanted Nigeria to be free. Free from what? He did not know. He felt that Nigeria was bound to military government. And that's our problem. So God said, no problem. 1999, given a civilian government. So they gave it to them. Wallace said, the only thing he was living for then, that it was his birthday, I think 70th birthday, they, said, they called together to celebrate. One big big back then, 60 or 70, I can't remember, it was years ago. So he came, gave a speech that he couldn't attend, that he has nothing to celebrate yet, until he has brought an end to military government in Nigeria. I was young, I shook my head, sir. You think that's a problem? Okay. So, in 1999, God gave us what? Civilian government. Eight years, things were, things blossomed well for the first six years of Obasanjo's regime. Then things ground to a halt, and then things are returning backwards. Now, the same Nigerians are celebrating when there's a coup in Mali. Yeah? A coup in Chad, Cote d'Ivoire, all those countries. Now, people are posting the pictures of these young, Captain, they say, "Oh, it reminds them of Thomas Sankara." <laughs> and they are wishing, you know. I, say, I, I laugh. I say, "See, when people like us spoke before, you thought we didn't have sense. Now you have seen that democracy is not the answer to anything." And then, if you sit down these days and you watch people analyze the Chinese government, and people have sat down and shown, and even me, I'm convinced. Hmm? that the Chinese system of government is far better than any democratic regime on this earth. You see, in China, they have what they call selection before election. In case you did not know, it's in the Bible like that. Peter didn't allow everybody contest to run to replace Judas. He gave criteria. In China for you to become the president of China, the premier, you will have been the local government chairman. Listen, they pick you in your 20s. You don't just show up at the age of 60 and become the Chinese president. You've been on that pathway since you were 25. You will have been, let's use the Nigerian system. First, they will have put you in charge of a secondary school. They take you from there. You'll be a school principal. They take you there and make you a local government chairman. Now, nationwide, they will have hundreds of your type. You are competing against people who are being trained to be administrators. They will not pick the best of you and say, good. Promote them to become regional, like the Nigerian system, state governors. So they put you in charge of states. Some of them have run states bigger than the United States. Xi Jinping, go and check states he ran. Then amongst all the people running provinces, states now, they say, ah, these guys are good. Then you are elected into the central governing body. From there, amongst yourselves, you pick the next president. So this is an American spending billions of dollars every few years. It's just a jamboree. UK doesn't spend a the quarter. They don't spend 5% of what Americans spend to get the next prime minister. American system, in my opinion, is the worst system there is. It's worse than military rule. It's worse than Chinese rule. It's worse than the, the, uh, the parliamentary system of the UK. Yet, they have the biggest economy in the world. What does that tell you? Nobody that one. And everywhere they have exported their system to... The Chinese man was explaining one time, I was listening to, uh, listening to him talk. He said, you should check it. That everywhere America has tried to export their system to, it has been a catastrophic failure. Always been a catastrophic failure. The war in Russia is because of it. Ukraine war. Russia and Ukraine. It's because they kept on trying to push it the way. After communism fell, they said, let's give them democracy, American style. American style democracy is not something special that God gives to everybody on the earth. Russians, in their genes, you know what they have? They love for a Tsar. You have to have a Tsar of Russia, a prim, that is a king. Russians love kings. Americans have never had kings, so they don't understand. That's why with all these they are, you know CNN, everybody, they want to curse uh, Vladimir Putin to death every day. Go to their streets, ask their approval rating. The man keeps on having a massive following by his people. Americans got up said, let's export this into Arab countries. They call it Arab Spring. In a short while, Arab Spring turned back to Arab Winter. <laughs> why? The Arab doesn't understand why doesn't have a sheik. He has to have an emir. Every time you say he has to discuss everything, they never do well. Think about it. Libya was one of the most prosperous, most stable countries in the world. As long as Muammar Gaddafi was in charge. You remove Muammar Gaddafi, they've not had peace for one day since that time. Iraq, crazy country. Americans make us think. Yet, under Saddam Hussein, they were prosperous. They were, were stable. Now, the man was a dictator. He killed you anyway. And by the way, it, it's not what Americans put you in jail for anything. You know, you know, Americans, please don't be angry with me. But they don't. I keep on telling my friends, you guys don't have a justice system. Americans have what? A vengeance system. Which, when things go wrong, we must have some find somebody responsible, and put that guy's butt in jail for three hundred and seventy-five years. One guy has been tried now, the crypto king, and I laugh. I said, "Why is he on trial? He didn't do anything secretive. But because his empire collapsed, they have to collect him and jail him. They wouldn't dare touch him, even though the empire was built on a lie. They all know it's a lie." Warren Buffett told them it is a lie. Bill Gates said this thing makes no sense. All the big financiers explained to them that there's nothing here. They all kept quiet. They waited for it to collapse and they put the young boy, said they are going to put him in prison the rest of his life. I said, for what now? Bernard Medov told them that they all knew what I was doing. Yeah, he said it. I had the interview. He said, look, forget that thing. One man reported Bernard Medov maybe like 10 years or five years before he was finally arrested. I hope you know. So I'm saying many things. I hope you guys are getting my point. You know, Bernard Madoff, the guy who, so, so, the Ponzi scheme, the biggest Ponzi scheme ever, involving about almost $40 the billion, $36 billion thereabout. One man reported years before. They had their Securities and Exchange Commission investigating him. You know what they did? They found him clean. The man was frustrated. Say, so what this man is doing? is scamming everybody. Then the man one day woke up by himself. Went to the police. Good morning. I've been running this scam for the last 25 years. And they arrested him and then jailed him. Then he died there. What am I done to say? Saddam Hussein kills people. Americans jail people. There is no system that is good. So if anybody is lying to you, the African is to borrow American system. Tell them you should forget that. That is not the source of what? Prosperity. It is not the source of prosperity. It is not. That's why, look, when Lumumba is speaking, I feel sorry for him. I love him. I see his passion. I have a lot of people like that in Nigeria, too. And I keep on telling them, that is not the issue, sir. You need to generate a blessing. Then the things outwardly cannot be arranged so that the blessing can what? Can flow. If you spend all your energy generating the, the mechanism for flow, and there is nothing to flow, you'll be frustrated. You will be frustrated. What am I emphasizing? People of God, curses are real. They are real. But more importantly, of course, time I get there, I never forget. For those, I'm teaching believers, I hope you understand that. I want to say a lot of this is for you to have understanding. Let's talk about the reality in your life. If you are truly born again, giving your life to Christ Jesus, I accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior your curse, or all the curses in your life, they have been broken. Amen. It's a matter of fact. It is what? It's a, it's a fact. It's a fact. It's an absolute fact. The one who said, curse be Canaan, and a servant of servants it will be. doesn't apply to you. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How? In Christ. Abraham's blessings are yours. Have you ever heard this before? That you should bless a Jew. So if you want to be blessed. That thing is only said by those who don't read the Bible well. Those who read the Bible well, what the Bible actually said in clear terms, is bless Abraham and his descendants. Is that know what he said? He said the promise was to whom? To Abraham. And his seed. So you now decide who the seed is. Paul said what? When Jesus no, Jesus came to Paul, sat him down, the way you are sitting down like this. and said, let me teach you. Get your pen and your paper. And Oh God, Paul was in school. Paul learned things that Peter's heart could not imbibe. You must understand it. Jesus loved Peter. But Peter was a typical fundamentalist Jew. So there are things I want to tell you. You can't be, no, Let me tell you. Some of you don't understand. Let me explain. Let me explain it. You have a son. At the age of five, six, he's in primary school, doing very well. Ten, he's in secondary school. Sixteen, he's in university. Seventeen, he's doing very, very well. Let me study a course of five years. He has a first degree. Oh, this boy is doing so well, finishing NYC. Then finally, works about two years after, he does masters. Works for two years, they get sits down. does five years, sent him abroad, did a powerful PhD, four or five years, studying something phenomenal. All right? Now, he's 30-something. Has a PhD. He comes back home. And they want to sit down, and say, who's going to head this institution? It's one of his cousins, or a neighbor, are you getting my point? That boy, primary school, they beat th- up. <laughs> you go flog, now go tire. Remember that one? <laughs> now go flog, now go tired. That small gory girl. Now, say they flog, flog, flog they're tired. Say they flog, they won't flog. They go flog, they go tire. They flog, that one tire. No go school. The one they brought in, but finally money to finish one Course here, one diploma there, one certificate here. <laughs> Just one go everything together. Then I say, who will head this institution that we build with the cost of about twenty billion naira? See that your boy? You did there, there. You now want to add that one to discuss. That is to consider. You know what they are going to look at like. Excuse me, what's going on here? Now, your argument doesn't make sense. Naturally speaking, does it make sense? It makes sense. Now, so now that you have seen the position you are in. You cannot understand what Peter was going through. Abraham was called. He sacrificed Isaac, his only son. Then Isaac grew up after being sacrificed. I mean, (laughs) miracles. (laughs) Then he had Jacob, Esau. They fought, 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 fought. Jacob collected. House of Laban, 20 years of hard labor. They had 12 sons. They, uh, uh, They went into Egypt, came back. And the only thing that was kind of was a blessing. They, then they built mwah, a temple. God had given them his presence. The ark of his presence. They carried everywhere they carried God. Who touched it died. You don't get the point. You're not a Levite. You touched it, you died. E, God was with them. God punished them. They went into um, Assyria, into Babylon. Well, of course, northern kingdom went to Assyria. So they had gone through everything. Let's enter the kingdom. You're not bringing Gentiles. <laughs> you, you can, we have, I'm Let's enter the kingdom. You're not bringing Gentiles. Now you want Jesus Christ. To. How? You want to enter this kingdom? These guys did not used to eat in the house of Gentiles. Now what happened? You're not telling me that them... And us are not entering the same kingdom. Be honest with you. Even Jesus gave up. <laughs> it sounds funny, but he gave up. He said, Find me somebody else. Peter can do this job. They now finally got Paul. And make sure Paul was a sinner. You know, you need to commit certain sins for God to use you. You know, yeah. You know, because. If you don't, you'll be feeling too righteous for him. Yeah. We're about Katrin Kuma now. Katrin Kuma. When I read the story of Katrin Kuma, I knew that she needed to do that evil she did. Yes, yes, yes. And she said it. You know, Katrin Kuma said, said it. He said, how come God is using you so much? She said that, well, I don't think I was her first cho- his first choice. He said, I think he picked one man. Before me, I don't know who, but that the person wouldn't pay the price. What about you pay the price? Yes, for me it was not hard. I was worth nothing. He said, I didn't have to give up anything. He said, everybody had something to give up. I had nothing. For me, just for God to just say, come. That is, to me, it's a privilege. So it was easy for her to obey God. She She had gone to ground zero see, Catherine Kuma's matter. eh? She was anointed though, minister of gospel. She, was, she had run a particular, she used to go to a particular church to preach and fell in love with the pastor of the church. It's not these days that everything is tolerable in America. They want to teach us in Nigeria, we reject it. But you know, yeah, those days, it wasn't tolerable. She fell in love with a married man with children who was the pastor of a church. So the man divorced his wife and married her. And as soon as she married her, whole life came to a halt. See, the church rejected him. The whole church in America rejected her. People who had invited her for programs before, they were sending out messages and counseling. counseling. They were tearing posters they had printed. Her friends told her, don't do this. She couldn't help but do it. The day of the wedding, she ran away. She realized that this is a terrible mistake. There's only one problem. There was nowhere to go. By that time, all doors had closed. All her friends had gone. Everybody said to her, Catherine, you're on your own. Every single person. She, she stood. Where do I go? The only place she had the home was to go back to that man she married. So she went back to him. And they lived together for like six years. Six years of death. Holy Spirit never left her. Holy Spirit said, this one is not your husband. You know, Jesus came and said, the man you are with now is not your husband. Jesus said, this one, I'm not great. So one day after six years, she said, I had to make up my mind. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow this, my husband, this attempted husband? So one day she packed a briefcase, not much loot, just one portmanteau. and <laughs> said, I'm leaving. And the man said, if you leave, something like, maybe I'll never talk to you again. The, the lady said, I beg, I've been dead for six years. She just took a train, essentially to nowhere. Essentially to nowhere. I've forgotten that the first place she arrived, she didn't even have money anymore. Just tried to meet some friends. So when the Holy Spirit started moving on people, if they say lay hands on people, if they say a woman can't lay hands, this one is not a woman, this is a dead human being, so there's nothing. She did that. So the Holy Spirit came, possessed her fully. According to her, I didn't fully yield. No, it's not like fully yielding. There was nothing to yield. You don't get the point. That there was nothing. So I just told God, there is nothing. Do you have any use for nothing? So God said, Good. I can use nothing. The anointing I had was so heavy. Her name commanded the healing of the sick. Yeah. Why I believe it? Can I one. That, I didn't even know they had any relationship. Kennegan was the one that gave the testimony. They organized a meeting. Kadukuma was supposed to come and preach. I think full gospel. Then the meeting started. They heard that Katrin had fallen sick herself. And had been rushed to the hospital. So they took her to the hospital. And I said, okay, what do we do? So they said, Kennegan, please. Oh, you are the minister here. What do we do? Our main guest has gone to, to the hospital because she's sick. So you have to preach. He said, hey, in his, in his mind. They didn't come to hear a teacher oh. They came to here to see signs and wonders. So he mounted the pulpit. Um, we are so sorry, you know, our guest minister, uh Miss is um uh, unavailably absent. You know I'm a teacher of the word, the kind of miracles you expect to see. He was still making excuses, somebody got up from a witch and walked away. person threw was a witch and walked somewhere threw wheel crutches. That is then he shut his mouth. That is he was trying to make excuses. When the miracle started. That's an aside. So, this is your life. The way you have been thinking is bad. That is the most useful one. It's the most useful one. God said, when I tell you somebody, you have no pride. You know, it's those people that are very polished and all of that. They say, This <laughs> is the most useful one. It's the most useful one. Just what happened to Paul? God said, How do I handle this guy? Find me a murderer who hates me personally. I don't know what I get the point. There are those who are just going around causing trouble. This one, the only trouble he caused is Jesus Christ. That is like, Jesus, I will kill you. Where is he? Because, you know, he never met Christ when he was alive. I think he went to school. He traveled. <laughs> yeah, no, Jesus was there for just a few years. So if he went to university in Africa, you wouldn't have met him. <laughs> Jesus was good <laughs> for just a few years. So he came. said, was all this noise? Let's end them. Jesus said, good. That's the kind of person I like. So he was going around, when they were going to stone Stephen, he said, stone him. Clothes were expensive those days. Yeah, they were very expensive. So people who needed to stone Stephen, they had to remove their garments. So Paul said, bring them, i keep them for you. So he washed over their garments as a stone Stephen to death. So basically, it was the chief murderer. Yeah. You know, I was preaching, but I told them. I said, the church must be different. Two men were... Were the two guys were responsible for killing Deborah in Sokoto. Of course, the whole scheme, we know what was going on. It had nothing to do with blasphemy. It had nothing to do with blasphemy. It was just a scheme to prevent revival. I won't go say more than that. Okay? It was just a a scam. So let's leave that. All right? They killed the young girl for nothing. So if the church wanted to let the world know what they were made of, not time to protest. It's time to take a full page newspaper. Mention the name of those guys. Say, so we want you to know that we forgive you. Want the government to let you go free. But as God leaves, your children will preach this gospel. As God leaves, your children will preach this gospel. On the grounds where that girl got burnt and died, a podium will be mounted and in that city, a revival will break out. And the minister will be one of your children. No, that's what the church needs to do. And tell government, forget the case. We're not interested. We have taken our vengeance the way we know it. For what Paul did now, we'll give him another Stephen to kill. Say, okay, do you need a, uh, there's one another Stephen in Ujiri River. You've killed the one in Enugu. There's one Stephen in Ojiriva. Kill that one too. Then another Paul will show up. If for every Stephen that's killed, God gives us a Paul. You know we'll be rejoicing now. So God looked, said, what do I do? Let me be a man that will be just be grateful to be alive. So he took a, an enemy of Christ. Wow. See, you want to be a sinner, is a different. But to want to be a personal sinner against Jesus. That's what Paul was. He was Jesus' personal enemy. He was hunting Jesus everywhere. Jesus said, good. Then he road to Damascus. He said, Paul, hey. Say, Saul, Saul, what is it between me and you? Why are you persecuting me? Saul said, you are real? Say, of course. You really are alive? Did you doubt it? Say, Lord, I didn't know. I thought these boys were lying. They were never lying. No, you know, Paul wanted to go back and wake Stephen up. All those who died in jail because of him, instantly his heart broke. What do I do now? Jesus said, no, no, don't pray. Get up, get up, get up. No problem. Now you're going to go to the city Go and wait for me there. Ananias, go and lay hands on him. He will see. He will feel with the spirit. So the, he said, "The Lord is good." Okay, let me just read a particular portion of the scriptures. He so said, "This is a faithful saying." First Timothy chapter one. Let me just read the King James Bible. First Timothy chapter 1. Said from verse 15. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world. To save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Let me just stop talking there. He said Christ Jesus came into the world. To save sinners. Of whom. I am chief. Paul didn't consider himself worthy of life. He said, How be it for this cause I obtain mercy? That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe in him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's get back to our main message. So God picked Paul who as at now is ready to hear anything. That was the person who could hear that you and Gentiles are the same. Paul said, I understand. Both of you will enter into this kingdom. Paul said, no problem. So Paul went everywhere preaching it. And his former comrades felt the only thing he was worthy of was death. And it made sense. Because the very thing he believed and built all his life, now he's destroying. And the very thing he tried to destroy, now he's building. He said, the only way to do this guy is kill him. What am I going to emphasize? That Jews and Gentiles, now it's very annoying, therefore. When I see Christians wearing shofar, carrying shofar, Wearing, uh, what do you call that? The shawl, the Jewish shawl. One man, the other day, I saw his, he said, The angel of Rosh Hashanah visited me. I just removed the video. I said, Go away. I'm not the angel of Rosh Oshanah didn't visit him. But what's all this noise? This angel did not visit Peter, didn't visit Paul. Every Jew, They are trying to revive Jewish festival for us now and call it Christianity. Little by it's creeping, it's creeping in. You want to show us the importance of the the year, the year of jubilee, those things have ended. Stop fooling anybody; they are gone. So you know, I was in my hotel room, and the angel came. I just, I just, I just, I just shut down the video. Say, leave me. Angels come during Ishi festival in Enugu. Leave that thing. Leave that thing. Huh? you know we have a festival now. That means in the hotels, the angel of Abba festival., So, what is it now? It must be glorifying things that God has, 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 has ended. And they make it look very like spiritual. Some of them that are gathering money to build the temple in Jerusalem. I say, who will go there? So, like when Jesus comes back, <laughs> I say, which Jesus are we talking about? He's not, been, he's not coming back to any temple anywhere. What is wrong with our heads? I keep putting increases. Christians, any building we have is because it's convenient. When God helps us, we are going to leave this place. Yeah, the reason is not because I believe a ministry must have mansion. No, you know the issue I have with noise. Just want to build a purpose-built hall so that if the let me let him be let them be doing a bachelor festival outside it doesn't concern. Once we enter, we shut out everywhere. Silent. We can preach. You don't have to hear any noise from all the fans and aces and all of that. Everywhere is killed centrally. No, no, just come, you sit down. They build it purposely so that when we are teaching, well, we, don't understand. we have classrooms here and there. For You know, not those in the overflow, God bless you. The children don't let them have peace. Once I talk for more than one hour, the children look. You say, oh, God, this is your message, don't too long. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about three-year-olds, four-year-olds. You say, mommy, 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 I want to go and pee. You know, a, you know now. Yes. We need to have, so that's what a temple is for us, in quotes. Church building, that's all it is. It's will be built with all these things in mind. Okay, where will children sit, where they can see their parents without making any noise. Put a glass in between them. They can see, but the noise can't cross. Right next to them is where they can go and ease themselves. You know, stuff like that. The noise is out. Now, those, those of you doing radio recording know what I'm talking about. Many times I repeat myself here, it's not because for emphasis of the spirit, it's just to get away. Because when Israel sees down later to go through the message, he has to cut off all this pam pam, 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 All those things must be removed. That's how we build buildings. That's why we build buildings, it's not because they say enter a church. God, God is in there more than the one you brought in. We're the one that brings God in. If we don't come in with him, he doesn't. Get, you think God stays in your church? Some church will now put a light there, say God is on the altar. He's not there. Let him not deceive you. I pray you understand. He's not anywhere. You don't church. You Must kneel down, my friend. Strengthen your knees. I've told you. Look, kneel down for your parents. I'm telling kneel down for your husband. Kneel down for your boss at work. Kneel down for your. Uh, this are You know, here we bow, right? Men, bow for those you're supposed to respect. That's how you find God. You dress like a on the street. Then when you are going to church, you look like Mary, uh, Mary, mother of Jesus Christ. When Jesus wanted to see you, he was in your office. Yes. think he came to check how you are looking like in church? He knows now. That's why you deceive him. You obey every usher. Traffic warden cannot talk to you at the junction. And you want to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> because if you come to heaven, you will scatter the traffic. You know, sometimes when we have uh, 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 traffic problems, just some volunteers who just come and come and help out. People will not agree to obey them. When they enter church, ah, one smaller child will say, welcome sir, sit over here. Thank you, thank you. you go and sit down. You are still going to go to hell. Don't worry about it. God says, look, where I'm checking is at that junction. Next time one man is trying to control traffic, he pulls up his hand, Cooperate with him for goodness' sake. So everybody can go home. So all this behavior we do when we come into our idolatrous venues. Leave that. It's not, the, it's not the will of God at all. The Lord is good. So any all of you gathering money to build temple in Jerusalem, just waste, stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. Alright? <laughs> What's the point I'm making? The blessing was to whom? Abraham. And his seed, not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And that's it is whom? Christ. And we are in him. Amen? Amen. We are in Christ. Amen? Amen? We are in Christ. Amen? Amen. And Abraham's blessings are ours. Abraham's blessings are ours. So every curse has been broken. Amen? Amen. Poverty is a curse. It's been broken. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. The curse of pro- poverty in our lives has been broken. So even though, as a matter of fact, let me just summarize everything I'm saying with this statement. I'll go to the next point. So please, when you are analyzing national issues, issues of a race, a tribe, a people, please... Always bear them in mind. It's possible for a group of people to be under a curse, and they will struggle hard and things will not seem to work. For that reason, when you want to analyze their matters. Don't go to the streets. Don't join protests. They have not yet reached a point in which those things will produce anything. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day when we were talking, he said that somebody told him in America that when we want good government, we'll get it. I said, how? Are we going to borrow it from somewhere? Hire people? Somebody said, I know. What we'll do is kill up all the bad leaders. <laughs> I said, why do we talk so foolishly? Who are the bad leaders? Local government chairman? Who are your cousins? Are we? House of Assembly members, you are one. Commissioners? I mean, we know now. Who are the so-called bad leaders? You go kill bad leader, you go kill tyre. I hope you know vice chancellors are leaders. Yes. H-O-D is thank you. Chuk is a leader. <laughs> <laughs> Remove his black head. <laughs> I mean, oh, you go kill leader, you go tyre. Leave that. I said, why do people talk nonsense like this? Why do people talk nonsense like this? I said, when... The Russians killed off their bad leaders. What did they get? They got Lenin. They got Stalin, who killed them by the millions in return. See, you don't know God's vengeance. People don't don't know it when it happens. God said, I was angry with my people for a season. But they they prolonged the judgment beyond that season. For that reason, I am going to bring judgment upon them. Maybe the, the house of the Roman Romanovs annoyed the Lord. I don't know. Maybe. When the people rose up captured them, God said, you have missed your opportunity to kill them. They kept them for months. Then one day, the revolutionaries came, took the man, his wife, his children, and shot them in cold blood. God said, no problem. You will pay for it. When the communists started starving the people, I think, estimate, they put the people that died under Stalin at like 30 million. So I told my guys, I said, is that what you're looking for in Nigeria? You kill somebody, they now give you Lenin to replace the person. The learning hands over, it gives out to Stalin to replace the person. I said, brethren, Abel, leave that thing. You know, leave this small leadership we have. After four years, we will vote. I don't want to kill anybody. Because the killers are usually worse. Oh, yes. Most certainly. Oh, they are worse. They are worse than those people that they claim they killed. Let me tell you one or two stories of some revolutionaries. Revolution does not change anywhere. It doesn't. They expected Jesus to lead the revolution. He said, do you think that's what the problem is? The problem is Spiritual. The problem is spiritual. That's just something I want Christians to be aware because I see Christians get involved too much in all this uh, political and uh, social activism talk. I said, brethren, leave that for the social activists. You go to church. If you're a prophet, if I see you on the street protesting, remember answers? How many people remember answers? That's one of the most foolish things that Christians ever got involved in in this country. That was when I wrote the article about horsemen. Who remember the title I gave that thing? I I wrote something about horsemen riding. It was terrible. We suffered for it. People don't know. The nation suffered for it. Economically, we suffered. Pastors were the ones doing uh, doing services for protesters. They would go under the bridge, beholding service playing into the hand of the devil. Satan was using pastors in this country, did not know. Because the top worry was their problem. Now, listen, I'm not saying protest against SARS itself was wrong. That's not what I... Please, I hope you're getting me. I'm talking about the whole movement that now came out. That how do you say you are protesting, you are breaking, you are burning people's businesses? You are lynching people? All those are fine, fancy bus stops in Nenugu, They destroyed all of them. ATM machines were looted. There are banks that refused to open till today. They did not replace the staff. And you can't see when Satan is walking. I looked at Chris at that time. I said, God, do not abandon me into the, into the midst of foolish people who can't see what's really going on. I saw so much foolishness in church. I couldn't believe it. Pastors were going to protest camps to go and hold services. We're not talking to prayer, you know, prayer walking. No one couldn't do protest. Now say, We are going to prayer walk. Jesus said, Enter into your closet. Leave that thing. Don't, don't, don't try to impress anybody. How can you? You have protesters here. Then church people here. If you wanted to pray, get into your closet. Was that what not what he said? You say you want to do prayer work, go alone at midnight when nobody's watching. This one you are doing for a show. God is not listening to one of those prayers. Not none of those prayers did he hear. I'm telling you for him. You are know, be using a video, <laughs> filming yourself we are prayer walking. Hallelujah. Of course, you're not saying anything. You're praying those your funny funny tongues. The real tongues did not pray it. As they were doing, uh, what they do call that, Black Lives Matter in America. We were doing prayer work in Nigeria. Satan was just taking advantage of Christians. When they were doing that, you were supposed to have gone to church, gathered to pray. Against the hand of evil. That's why I wrote that article that time. Something like, um, something about um, horsemen riding. You read it. it was shaking your You're shaking your head. shaking your head. Huh? Yes, the horsemen, the crowd of Amos, and princes walking. Thank you. I wrote it that time. Say, brethren, that was wrong. I'm not a protester. Hey, listen, by the way, I hope you know I'm not a popular preacher. The fact that you like listening to me preach doesn't mean that everybody agrees with me. Yes, uh, you know already. Uh-huh. Thank you. So some of you are thinking that, because uh, when, when I say the answers was of Satan, I didn't want to agree. It was. Satan took advantage of you, you did not know. Your zeal. Christians are praying people. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Christians are praying people. All those pastors that got involved in Ensa's protests fell into the trap of the enemy. They did. Christians pray. When all that was going on, they would have been on our knees. Last Tuesday prayer meeting, I don't know how many of you were around. I was tremendously blessed. So I told them, look, get the message out. I want to circulate around. This is how you pray for your country. This is how you handle affairs of a nation. If you want to use your anger, ability to protest, to work the righteousness of God. It's not going to work. In which, in which millennium? It's not going to work. Please bear it in mind. When you are judging the affairs of a nation, I will say this before I get to my main message for today. All right? Why are they laughing? What is funny? Thank you. I will get to my main message. Don't worry. In a moment. It's, I'm looking at it in the face. Uh, we're just talking about reality of curses and the fact that you have been delivered, right? Uh-huh. But so i just going to explain some things along the line. Okay, I won't spend, spend long on this. What I want to say now before I get into that. Remember. Now, I was talking about analyzing the issue of a people, a race, a tribe, a nation, and all of that. Please. I feel like saying this again. It's been on my mind for the last two days, even though we've talked about it again and again. The Holy Spirit says expressly, "If you want this country, I will give you." But remember, it is what if you want it. There are in his series of teachings on how to get God's best. He said, "Rule number one: Want it." You must want it. You must say, God, give it to me. And wanting it will involve sacrifices. Bear that in mind. Spiritual sacrifices, physical sacrifices. And I wanted to bear another thing in mind as I go now. I've said what I wanted to say. I don't, I'm not developing it further, okay? But one thing I just want to put in, I want to tell Christians today is, we're talking about ble- um, walking in divine abundance. Let me talk about wealth for a moment. Go and read your Bible well. You will discover that most people in the Bible were concerned about building wealth for their descendants, not for themselves. Now, you see what I want to say? Please, when you are making decisions henceforth, think spiritual decisions now. Think of your descendants. When I say your descendants, I don't mean just your children, all right? Natural children. But just think now. I hope you understand that. My natural children... Are not mine alone. They belong to every Christian in my generation. I hope you get my point. So these are generational issues. Currently, we're a particular generation in this nation, and that generation is coming up right after. Okay? So whatever I do now it must affect that next generation positively. Now I need to say this because it's a lot of people make a mistake. Many things that bless people in the Bible, in the scriptures. Do not bless the men themselves, the women themselves much. It's their descendants that tend to get blessed mightily. Abraham did not inherit that land. I hope you are aware of that. Neither did Isaac. Neither did Jacob. But their descendants returned from Egypt and took everything. Only because Abraham Isaac and Jacob walked with God. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm saying is very deep. It may take some people the next 10 years to understand. Because there are things you will not understand until you have passed through some things. Whatever decision you want to make in life, don't make decisions that your next generation will end up being slaves again. Suffer. See, suffer is good. Suffering is all right. If it will produce freedom for the next generation. If Abraham did not leave her when God said come out and there was one Abraham and Imbraham I don't know. That God called that did not answer. We know Abraham because he answered. I hope you get my point. Now the descendants of those ones have vanished. But the descendants of this Abraham remain till today. And they they came in Two categories, broadly speaking. God still kept for them, for him, natural descendants. But most importantly, his spiritual descendants, they are all over the world. In every continent, in every country of this earth today, Abraham is mentioned and honored. Of course, amongst Christians. If you leave believers, you see two groups of people amongst non believers who still honor him. The Jews honor him using the name Abraham. Even the Arabs honor him using the name Ibrahim. Because he left Ur and followed God. Many of us, we just want to have a house and two cars. And they have nothing to bequeath spiritually to our descendants. It's a very myopic way of thinking. Bear it in mind. If you join that to what I said earlier, if you want the country. We all can just get up and say, we don't like this country. But just know the consequence will be, you are going to return from wherever you went to in 30 years' time, 40 years' time. You get to your village, and it's no longer viable. Right next to it is a Hezman camp. Yeah, it's going to happen. You see? You don't get the point. That's the only way it goes. There's no other option. Villages disappear. I hope you get that. People disappear, tongues disappear. their languages are just vanish. Sometimes I see um, um, UNESCO and all these um, international agencies trying to preserve vanishing languages. I so say you get time. If the owners can't preserve it, it's not my job. It's not to communicate. I can communicate with the one that is there right now. At least we still have our major language in Nigeria there's English, There's Swahili. Oh, do you follow my point. There's French. I don't have time to be learning how people used to speak, people would have disappeared. If you don't want to preserve your heritage, if God didn't give it to you, go. I want a song that makes some people not like me. And I will say it. It's not scripture, but it's just like, you know, when I say protect endangered species, I said, what is he doing for me? <laughs> endangered species is not edible. Deep- Is endangered. I've heard that cow is endangered. Is buffalo endangered? Bison is not endangered. Bush meat is not endangered. Listen, sorry, like I said, some of you may not like me, but I have not seen chicken that's endangered, so I don't have (laughs) any problem. When you see an endangered chicken, I will protect it. When you see one parakeet inside one big bush in the jungle, say I should protect it. Why? <laughs> he said it's a rare species, new species will come up. Listen. <laughs> the Lord is good. I did not even get into that, you know. That's why it's good to stick with your message. The one he didn't send you. When well, you now preach it now, you now get confused. And why I went to the, okay, I don't know why I got into that. I remember now. So that's why people disappear. You're not talking about people disappearing. If you don't fight for something, I'm just saying that me, I don't have time to be using my energy to preserve what language the people did not fight for. That's the point I'm making. And I'm just telling Christians, bear that in mind. Anything you want to preserve will require a sacrifice from your hand. And stop talking from both sides of the mouth. Stop being double minded. You say one thing and act in another way. If you say, everybody, look for greener pastures, I don't have a problem. When we have all gone, the village will disappear. It will. You will return in 30, 40 years' time and find nothing there. Then you find headsmen camps and stuff and you'll be complaining against the federal government. The federal government, says, What do you want me to do? Preserve a place for you that you don't want? The word they say is not for the wise. Let's get into the main message again. What were we talking about? We have been blessed. The curse has been broken. In Christ just we are free. Amen. Poverty is not our portion. Amen. Luck is not our portion. Amen. Now I said something earlier that when you find... Um, okay, let's put it this way. When you find a curse... And the blessing comes in. What happens? The blessing has to kind of fight off the curse. Even though the blessing is now the established owner of the life. When God said to Adam, that day you will surely die. Death had to fight off the force of life. That's the way it works. And it takes time. But now we're reversing it now. So, life is working in us now. Somebody say amen to that. So, you and I need to cooperate with life. We need to cooperate with life. We have to let life take over. You have challenges, you have problems. It's not a sign that death is in charge of your life now. No, life is. But life is working to push off death. It's important we understand it because sometimes people don't realize it. So they wonder, why do I still have to fight? You no, know, God can, you know, like Asa, God can bless you so much. You now not think that life is supposed to be like that. So 35 years of your reign, because when you, Asa came into power, He did a lot of spiritual reforms that made him have peace for 35 years. Then the 36th reign of the reign of Asa, what happened? Basha came against him. And then what happened? He had become what? Complacent. Complacency does happen. In which case, you will just start, you know, you will neglect to do the things that actually brought you victory in the first place. That was what happened to Asa. Uh, for time's sake, we will not read it, but it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Now, but what happened was that at a point in time, problems came. And God said to Asa, you were not supposed to have solved it the way you did. You were supposed to go back to the way that you solved your life's problem, the national problem in the first place, which was through revival, through repentance, through imbibing the commandments of God. Don't ever think you got to a place in life where you don't need to exercise yourself in the things of God. You have to. So when you have problems, sometimes you just tell you to go back and pray. It's not because prayer doesn't work anymore. Say so go and pray some more. It just means what? Go and pray some more. All right, the Lord is good. So let's let's continue. I was trying to say I was trying to get somewhere, right? I, I just wanted to say some things. I've said them. I cannot get into the main thing I wanted to say today. Yeah, back to what we we're saying. We are free, right? Yes. We are free in Christ, amen. amen. We are very free, amen? amen. Remember that freedom now starts fighting bondage. To let bondage go of the person that was bound. And that is always a fight. It's always a fight. It's always a fight. Sometimes a generational fight. That one is a generational and it takes a while. Yeah. Darkness was upon the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God did what? God said what? What's the next thing God did? There was light. What did God now do? He separated the light from the darkness. Now, the natural thinking of people is that when once light comes, darkness vanishes. But that statement in the scriptures shows us clearly that it's not like that. When light comes, darkness stays where it was until the person who brought light consciously removes darkness from light. Many Christians are born again. Worldly habits remain. You have to separate darkness out of your life. Freedom has has come to you. You have to remove bondage deliberately. See, when Jesus came, sins had been forgiven before he came. Yeah, how were sins forgiven? John came preaching what? A baptism of repentance for the what? Forgiveness of sins. Their sins were forgiven by the baptism of John. But why were they still in bondage? Because even though you have been set free, you have to fight off that spirit of bondage. It doesn't go naturally. It has to be told, get out. Please, follow what I'm going to say. I'm going step by step on this. That thing has to be told, get out. You have to tell, see, I'm not a Christian. Old habits go away. You will not wake up in the morning and old habits will just leave you alone. Normally, when you first give your life to Christ, what happens is that that new light floods you so much, you don't notice the old one. But it hasn't gone. That's why people backslide. Yeah, suddenly, for the first one, we give his life to Christ. He wants to go to church. He thinks, I don't go to clubs anymore. Listen, the club attraction is there. But now the church attraction is so strong, you don't notice. Sometimes those who are following you up will stop coming because they think you have grown. Then your friends will now come and attack. You are alone this evening. What's going on? Come, let's go. You know, people get confused because they think that, ah, this other man wants to give his life to Christ. He never wanted to go. Why am I still wanting to go? It's because you need to do what separates that darkness away. You have to deliberately say to your friends, "The things I used to do, I do them no more." There's a great change in my life ever since I got born again. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what say so. You have to say it. You have to deliberately say, This is not my life anymore. I used, you know what I found out? If Christians will do this, they will overcome anything. But they give up usually because they are surprised. Why do I still have this thing? Why do I still have this attraction? It's because light has come, but darkness must be separated. That's why Paul said, Purify yourself of what? all defilement of flesh and spirit. A Christian still has to deliberately purify himself. Those who preach some funny grace doctrines, make it look like it doesn't matter. Once you're born again, once you're born again, (laughs) please leave that in. It's a lie. When you are born again, you will now remove from yourself all foolishness, all superfluity of nothingness. Like Paul said, you will not set this mouth, you will not lie again. You will separate the light from what? The darkness. You say, darkness, you don't belong here. You will say, you will now wake up in the morning, go and get a mirror if you don't have one. Put a mirror there and say, oh boy, I want to tell you, of course, you're looking at yourself. Now you're born again. No? your type does not go to a club. You don't hang out in certain places. Your type doesn't sit down with people and then be drinking and making merry and cracking stupid jokes. I told you there are jokes I don't find funny, deliberately. If you mock marriage, I won't laugh. It just, it's funny, there are times out there, I say, mm-hmm. it's just a decision, I won't laugh. It got to a point, it's so bad, that one day my classmates, because a lot of them are not believers, we're talking, so I said, why do people make mockery of holy things? One long said, lighten up, we're not getting out of here alive. I said, must we make mockery of holy things? You don't, Look, people used to, my class used to call me a Buharist, that I'm a Buharist. I, I said, no, it's my head of state. So, somebody joined our class group. He said, ah, you are welcome, you are welcome. Have fun here, but let's give you a few, give you a few rules. The day you abuse the president, bank is coming for you, just get ready to fight bank you. I said, I'm happy. Not. They, told, they were telling people, people are joining the class group. He said, hey, there are some rules here. One of them is, you want to mock the head of state or insult Nigeria, get ready for you mention my name, number one, and a few other people. You yeah, abuse my head of state, I don't laugh. I, that's it, I don't laugh. I don't... There were certain, expre, uh, certain opinions I, sho, I shared recently about the president, former president, Buari. and those people were shocked. They were shocked. You had that opinion? I said, I did. When did you say it? I said, I was head of state. I said it before he won the election. After he did, <sharp inhale> I zipped my mouth. Eight years after he left, I said, "Look, this is why I can't say now we are streaming." I said, "This was my reason why I did not vote for him any time." These are the things about him I did not like. But he never said it in eight years. I said, "No, he's head of state. I'm too busy praying for him. I don't have time to be analyzing his faults." he has gone to Daura. Hakanawa, want yourself, home. <laughs> but I can't even do that now. You know, there's an honor that goes with being a former president. So we just have to just, we just look. Your grumbling is not going to change anything, so just leave this thing. I'm talking about discipline. You will tell yourself, this is not how they spend money. You are a child of God. You will tell yourself, this is not how they talk to friends. You are a child of God. You will tell yourself, this is not how they pray. Please, get our study material we've been doing on prayer. And of course, we did a long series on it. Know the kind of things to pray about. Yesterday we were talking here. It was beautiful. The kind of things you hammer yourself in prayer that this mouth stop lying. You enter the closet and pray until the mouth can lie again. You tell my, my, your mouth and your heart, stop being jealous. Why, do you, why are you the jealous people? Nigerian English. <laughs> so why are you jealous of people? Sit down and instruct yourself. You will not be jealous. You will not be angry when other people make progress. In fact, out of your little, you will contribute. It's an instruction to yourself. You see why I'm saying all of these things? This is why I say it. Having been freed, freedom starts fighting off what? Bondage. Light starts fighting with darkness. And they say, look, freedom says, I will win if you cooperate. Light says, I will win if you cooperate. But light of freedom can never win if you, the owner of the life, does not actively participate in the battle. You know what? Satan knows. Satan knows. So you know what he does? Read Regina's final quest. It's inside the book. Satan tries to switch you through his subtlety. Tricks to make you fight on his side. To make you fight to retain yourself in bondage. To make you persevere in darkness, even though you are supposed to be in the light. To make you walk as if you are in bondage, even though you are free. To make you walk as if you are under a curse, even though you have been blessed. So you know what you need to do? Now please, let's not go back to the show of am I blessed, am I not blessed. You are blessed. Just write it down somewhere on your wall. Before you leave the house, Abraham's blessed are mine, stick it somewhere. In Christ Jesus, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because I am in Christ. Once you put that there, please, there's no need to pray about it. Say, Lord, bless me. Say, Lord, I'm blessed. I am already blessed. Nobody can separate me from your blessing. I am blessed. So let's take the fight to the next level. The next level is to not tell darkness, you don't belong here. To tell a curse, you don't belong here. And how do you do that? It's not just now. Now I see that Satan is very... um, Trickish, all right? What he does, think about it. He tries to bait us. He sells us stuff. First, for many of us, I can't sell a lie to us that we are not blessed, okay? So what he does is to get people involved in actions that binds them so that they create a new, set, a new life of bondage. And they think it's the old one. No, it's the new life of bondage. That's just continue where the old one stopped. Why? Because of current actions. Let me give you an example. The fellow is broke. Now, being broke is not a big deal. In fact, God has ordained that everybody must pass through a season of being broke in life. Yeah, you must. Because there are critical tests that you must experience, you must pass. In life, a blessing is a, that whatever you will experience is a gift of God. So before God gives it, he tests people, all right? So there are critical tests that you will never experience unless you are broke. I hope you're getting my point. And that, th- that test is necessary for your promotion. You have to pass it in the midst of being broke. There are so many, like, tests of faithfulness is not for those who have, have eaten. You get what I'm saying? They give you money. Take this fifty thousand and go to market. Meanwhile, you personally, you have five hundred thousand. Why will you steal anything from it unless you're particularly demon possessed? <laughs> of course, when you get you have five hundred k of your own. You lose spend fifty one thousand and give it to them. You bring receipt and everything. So God doesn't test you at that point. All right? That's a different kind of test entirely. It's the test of crazy people. Test of normal people is <laughs> simple. Make sure he has not eaten that day. Give him 50,000 to go to the market. Let's see how he's going to account for it. Now there is temptation. You don't need a demon here. Flesh is doing his work well. (laughs) No, there are things that demons need to do. There are things that flesh does by itself. You reach the market 50,000 air. You have not eaten you don't have money saved up anywhere. And you're supposed to account for everything. You know, you will sit down there. You know what I've noticed? Human means. That's where we are. If you're a good Christian, you won't steal any money. But there's something else you do that goes You say you're a thief. Which is like, okay, if I buy from you, what's my cut? Did you catch that? How much is this thing? So I want to buy this and this and everything comes to 35,000. Your neighbor is in 35 So how much I go, if I buy from you now, how much you my cut? God said, my friend, this is the Nigerian market. How go to the barest minimum for your office? Because any cut he gives is from that money. Don't deceive yourself. There's something I was supposed to get involved in buying some time ago, not too long ago. It's, it's in foreign currency and all of that. So the person said, okay, I just want you to know that um, if you guys buy, because I was one that contacted the person. This is thousands of dollars, a few hundreds of dollars. It's for you, or you know. I said, "Okay, no problem." So I went to meet my guys. I said, "Well, we have been offered this amount in discount." <laughs> I don't get the point. Yes. If, if I'm supposed to, like, okay, let's say thousand dollars, all right, okay. I just want to say, okay, instead of paying fifteen thousand, but this fellow said that, all right, we can pay fourteen. But that's not what I was told. What I was told, if you guys buy, I will give you a thousand dollars. I said. The guy said he can give us a thousand dollars discount. <laughs> that's what I just said. Because this is my brilliant destiny. Don't steal it with $1,000 dollars. I beg you. I beg you. <laughs> I beg you. Don't. I said, "I beg. I don't get that. I didn't even go into all these stories of how it came. I just said, "I think we're going to get a thousand dollars off of this particular thing." That's what I was told. So you can get there, that and that's the test. And just say, uh, God said, listen. Hungry you went, hungry you shall return. So get to the office. Account for everything. Now this is the best, or, so this is the worst righteous thing you are allowed to do. When you get back, they say, "Oh God, I never chopped today. This waka, you wear me out. Can you buy me a drink?" That's in the office. Oh. If the man say, "Okay, take this two hundred and I go and buy a drink," say, "Thank you, sir." But there must be no shady dealing. You know why? Because it is the only way Satan can keep you in bondage. It's the only way. That's why to preserve your freedom, people of God, you must love and pursue hard after righteousness. No matter how poor it makes you, please do it. No matter how stupid it makes you look, do it. If it listen, let me say something to you. If you have been in bondage before... Let me give you an example now. I've never... Now, for those who don't If I use the word, let me tell you. When somebody is an alcoholic, it doesn't mean he drinks alcohol. Most people who drink alcohol are not alcoholics. An alcoholic, for those who don't know, I just want to educate people. An alcoholic is somebody who is addicted to alcohol. So much that if he doesn't drink it, he can even go mad. He can't function without drinking. He wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does is what? drink, if he wants to think, he drinks. If he wants to drive, as soon as he's there, first he does what? He can't function without alcohol in the blood. That's what they call an alcoholic. If you withdraw alcohol, it's a drug addiction. That's the best way. Do you get my point? I don't have time to go into details about it. Now, if you take an alcoholic and you treat him or treat her, they are both men and women alcoholics. All right? Some people are easy, you know, some people they fall into alcoholism easier. Now it's a demonic issue. Let's just come to the Christian perspective. The person needs deliverance. But let's just go to the secular world, the way the world handles it. If you treat an alcoholic, one of the things now, if you give me a glass of, if I come to your village for a wedding, hmm? you give me a a cup of wine. Now you see where I'm going. It's a fresh one, a little bit of alcohol, not, not much. So, it's not a big deal. However, If you're an alcoholic that has been treated, I hope you get my point. Please let nobody quote scripture for you. The smell of alcohol, you are not allowed to sniff it. Because the danger for an alcoholic that has recovered is so strong. The person is separated from alcohol as much as possible. Now, the average person, do you get my point, who has never been an alcoholic, can take a glass of wine and drink and say, I don't drink. Yeah, this glass of wine is the only thing he has drunk in the... Which month are we in? October. This is the second glass of wine he's drinking this, this whole year. And he doesn't miss it. In fact, when you give him the wine, you say, why is it smelling like this? He drinks it. It tastes funny. Look, looks, okay. He has more alcohol in it. <laughs> I beg I know the drink. Just, he finishes the glass and drops it. And tomorrow he doesn't drink again. Do you follow my point? Yes, Good. And he's safe. However... If he has ever been an alcoholic, he's joined, maybe abroad they do, I don't know whether Nigeria has it, Alcoholic Anonymous. They join, you know, to help themselves stay off alcohol. If that individual ever gets to where they are serving alcohol, like his friends and family, they know. So they go out for a party, somebody watches him. You don't offer him alcohol, he's not allowed to take a glass. What an average person would take? And go. In fact, some people drink regularly, and they're not alcoholics. My wife used to work in here Her manager used to get two bottles into his system. Is it, not two, is it two o'clock or three? Anyway, once he goes for lunch, don't bring anything. He's not signing again. And the man knows. No. Once he goes for lunch, you know a deku. The guy will use two bottles of a deku and come back. When he gets to the office, no approval, not because he doesn't <laughs> want to sign the way he's destined <laughs> <laughs> every afternoon one day I was just talking about it one man told me that he said no he doesn't drink he said a normal man uses two bottles every day he said what? <laughs> including the one I inhale in the air I probably get two bottles in three years <laughs> it, even if, it, if I pass through a brewery how can a normal man use two bottles every day And man said no, no that man doesn't drink oh that is what normal people do. Those who now drink. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. He say, Pastor Bank, what are you talking about? Get to the point. If you have ever been in bondage to Satan, please don't go near any of his temptations. For you, the repercussion is dire. That is where I am going. If you've ever been in bondage to poverty, let faithfulness, righteousness, and honesty rather die than not have them. Because these are traps of the devil. You don't play around it. That's what people, people say. Eh, in America, they don't go to church. In Europe, they don't go to church. They are still blessed. I say, but they do. we're never under the kind of curse you're under now. When God breaks your own, go to church When they start telling you things like that, is how they want to keep you back in bondage. When they tell you that, hey, these people didn't pray, look at what happened to them. I say, bro, I need my own prayer. They were never cosaholics. You know what they call Cosaholic? We're talking about alcoholics, right? They were never under a curse. They did not have generations of idolaters who their continent did not develop because of a curse that was running down the generations. You tell me not to go to church? You are your father the devil. You are trying to entrap me further. I hope you feeling what I'm saying. Yes, People play with fire. You are believing God for prosperity. Your great-grandfather was poor. Your grandfather was poor. You worked. You almost kill yourself with working to be able to go to school as a young boy. Then they come to the office, say, you two need to make money. Sign this, let's share it. And you sign Ah, one shake before it. <laughs> Honestly, they swear for you. Why will you do that? You don't understand. Your children will start again. People don't get what they are dealing with. You know, I've been saying many things today. Along the line, I said, think of the next generation. Always think of the next generation. The other day, I was calling one of our brothers. I said, You allow your wife to carry your children. Away from you. Who will raise them? Are you an idiot? Who will raise them? You're having children who are 10, 12 grown, they don't have a father to flog them. How will they behave properly? Are you thinking of these children? Or you're only thinking about the country? Please, I know what I'm saying. Your father, your grandfather suffered because his grandfather couldn't get anything done. All, your father was not lazy. Some of you are angry with your father. You know, I hope I've proved to you now he's as much a victim as yourself. The man was working hard. See, if you're talking about business, these boys who dig around town. I hope you know they are more hardworking than your bank manager. Those guys wake up in the morning. Eh? They do one funny thing. You may not know. They get take money, eh? They buy small opera, and water, and drugs. Yeah, you don't know. You think, yeah, they buy drugs. After eating, they sniff something, heal something. That's why they can dig for the next five hours, and they don't feel pain. See, must I teach you everything? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got name of the drug. For Adolf Hitler to overrun Europe in a few weeks, he gave all the soldiers drugs. They could fight for three days not without sleeping. Yeah, you, you think it's an area? That's another gist in itself. These boys, no, they know what they are doing. They eat apple, eat upper, eat some things and then buy smoke. You see them at the site. Bishop, you know they see them. <laughs> One day, my friend's mother died long ago. He was still very young that time. His mother died. So he we went for the barrier. So after a while, I wasn't used to it. It was now night. Nice. We, left, we left. We came there. We were just graduated from school. They were doing the, After a while, the music stopped. So my friend said they had gone to refuel. So I looked. The boys were all, they were smoking. He said, No, Banky, they need it. We wanted to play all night. It is an ordinary eye. <laughs> that's what they do. No, that's why drugs sell so much. They, they start digging for you. They dig for you for five, six, seven hours non-stop. For how much money? At the end of the day, how much do you give them, Bishop? $4,000. And somebody just sits behind a desk can be tweeting. Uh, all these motivational speakers that lie. Perspire to acquire the desire you admire. And do not retire, but refire. You will be firing, firing, yana, jana, jana, Those boys have perspired. They have desired they are still digging. So if you think your father didn't try, forget that thing. He tried. He dug mountains and mountains of yam. At the end of the day, spare grass came, penetrated everything. He brought to the market, nobody bought He borrowed money to buy the yam sets. What can he do? He didn't know there was spare grass there. He starts again. It's called a curse. Why am I saying all of these things? Fight for your children with honesty. Break that thing when they say uh, sign, say, Oga, I beg you, the Lord bless you. I know if I do, I will make money, but if I do, my children will be poor. Leave that thing, you know. We already established last time it's not the money you hand over to your children, it's, not, it's a spiritual thing you give them. You want to create an atmosphere for them where life favors them, where rain will not fall when they want to go out and they won't know why. They just be talking and say, Ah, you did that. I don't know. I never realize when I do it. To. Say, hey, you're lucky. Yo. They don't know their father created a blessing for them. You look and say, no, I'm not signing. Why? I will make a hundred million naira. I know but my children will pay it back. First time I went to New York, my friend was in New York. That time I was going to do it for something, so I stopped in New York, stayed with him for a few days before I now went back to, down to my base. He said to me, "Banky, you, if you guys have time, can one of our friends join? Number of us." Just to play for a few days. He said, if you guys have time, let me take you to a particular shop in New York where this girl is working. I said, which girl? He mentioned, because we are streaming online, I won't give you the name, but he mentioned in a particular generation the man who was number three in Nigeria. He reminded me of the way the family lived, how much opulence and affluence was around them. He said, let me take, take you where? He said, he married this woman. This was the only child she had. He said, let me take you to where she works for minimum wage in New York. Yeah. He said, if you want, we'll go. Just let's go, there and, go and buy something. She'll be the one to serve you. He said, her mother used to fly to buy cosmetics. <laughs> See, those who export children all over thinking that if I just go somewhere, my children will have it in life. Forget that. thing. They can be there working for minimum wage. Oh, they can be there working for minimum wage, digging. That's what the Bible calls hewers of wood and fetchers of water. D- look, they will be in a prosperous environment. They are hewers of wood and fetchers of water. Let's look. Let's not joke with this thing, So Some of look. Let, one thing I, I, I dropped into today as I was preaching, brethren, brethren, please, let's live a life that will compel God to bless your children. That God said, no, these children must be well with them. That mm. so man told me something once. I never connected it on. He said, he said listen, Banky, some of these industrialists you know in Nigeria. He said, when their fathers left the villages and, and went to church to become catkits, they were outcasts. Everybody was worshipping idols. This man went to church, became a catkist. Could hardly pay their school fees. He said, now, this man will sit down and command the destinies of thousands of men with a signature. They are the type that now look and say, What is going on? Okay, give them five billion, and it's from his pocket change. When they pay dividends sometimes eh, in this country, you'll be shocked to know what people earn. Oh, this is where they just see them go to church. They're just clapping like this. They pay dividends, 200 billion. You never hear. They drive one little old Corolla to church like the rest of you. What some people will not tell you is that all the mission they are doing in one area, one person is funding it. But you won't know. One woman that just, she just sitting in church and be smiling. My friend said, Go and check their fathers. Some of them were cat kids who could hardly pay fees. See, eh? Stop thinking of, you don't have to hammer. But leave something behind that none of your descendants will know the meaning of poverty. This is America we'll talk about today. Go and see what their pioneers suffered. Go and see. Read the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't live for themselves. When Jacob was going back home, he told Laban, I need to go and prepare an inheritance for my children. He said, Laban, I don't have a problem with working for you all my life. He said, but one day, what will I tell my children I left for them? He said, I got to go home. He went back to take over the lands that God promised so that his children will have it. As I tell you, one day when my brother was talking to said, I said, what about your children? He said, that's the only problem. We well, have been thinking about it. I said, it's the only problem. So you left it unsolved? That should have been the first one you will solve now? I'm sorry. Oh. Some people will disagree with me. I will never leave it. Look, there are too many opportunities in Nigeria to educate children. I'm not sending a teenager out of my sight. Go to school. Where is your only one hour flight away from me? I don't need a visa to see you. After that first degree, you can I go anywhere. I don't care. Because my, for me, what's most important is that I, I make sure you are serving God. I'm not getting you out of... ah No. don't care how much money... Of all the people that I know that I'm close enough to speak with, the richest of them told me that no, I observed all his children said, no, no, you go to school down to the road where I can see you. They all went to Covenant University. So after that, anything they want, I can pay. And when I say anything, that, no, the, it's the kind of way you walk up to. Uh, that is the plan. If I want to go and do masters and so on, and so on, and so on, and so here. This is, the school says $35,000. He opens a drawer, cash $35,000 and give you. Go to school. So, but until that time, I beg. I want to be seeing you. I want to be sure you are going to church. <laughs> I want to be sure you are going to church. When you are finished going to church, after that, I, I don't, I've tried. I've done the one that's my own. I cannot be praying for you. What am I going to say? See, I don't know how to live free. We'll, we'll continue next time. Living free you must love and pursue what? righteousness. Let me just drop the other two points and I close. I won't explain at all. Number 2, we learn to walk by faith, which is a currency that we spend in the garden. Is faith. And number 3, you learn to be a cheerful giver. Please, that giving thing. Church, we have turned it to sow and do what? Reap. That's not what I am preaching. So don't even think I'm going that way at all. Being a giver of money and all of that is part of it, but that's not the issue is to know your life must be poured out as a drink offering and that you are satisfied in it. It's something you must learn. That's why I say you must learn giving and make sure you're a giver. It's beyond just dropping offerings. We'll talk about it, but let me just stop it here because of time. I didn't realize I've spoken for this long. But let's give a lot of thanks this morning. Say a lot thank you for the word. Just give a lot of Thanks.